Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, thanks for listening today as Pastor Jonathan and I sit down to record another episode for our Advent Conspiracy. Um, how are you doing today, Jonathan? I'm doing pretty well. Good. Good to be with you. Well, it's good to sit down and uh, reflect on our weekly theme of worshiping fully. But a lot of other things have happened this week, most notably um, your reaction to the uh, Buckeyes losing against Michigan. Devastation. Absolute devastation. I, you know, I... I can't say I was surprised with the outcome after the way that they played, but I certainly thought they were going to come in a lot stronger than they did. I had a lot of anxiety watching the game on Saturday, partly because my sermon was half written. I had to preach this weekend, and I was watching the game, and then this dread just overcame me because the Buckeyes were losing. It was clear they were going to lose. Michigan played the better game, unfortunately. And then I started reflecting and thinking, why is it? that I'm always scheduled to preach when Ohio State and Michigan play. <laughs> First of all, that's a, a senior pastor's priority prerogative uh-huh. to uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, do that scheduling. No, I, first of all, it's not true. <laughs> listeners, Feels true. Listeners don't believe this sob story that you're hearing. In fact, I was even reflecting on one time that uh, I was preaching on a, a Michigan weekend, in fact, I had to do a wedding even before that, like right in the middle of the game. That's rough. But it was a strange wedding, and the best man for the wedding was not there. He got <laughs> stuck somewhere late, and this is long before we uh, you know, had digital cable and digital television and all that. So I actually took an old one of our old televisions on a cart, had it in my office, and they kept apologizing because the wedding was going to start late. And I kept telling them, no, 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 it's fine, because I was watching the game while I waited for it. And, it. and it was one of those wonderful years where Ohio State was just completely destroying them and running all over them. And so we were up by at least 30 by the time the wedding was ready to start, and uh, it all turned out well. Because I had a lot of dread that day about missing the game. That, that reminds me, my sister, when my sister was married to her husband, they got married on an October on a Saturday in the fall, Ohio State-Michigan game, and my parents or the groom's parents had to rent big TVs for the reception so the game could be on. And mm-hmm. I think they had guests turn down the invitation because it was Ohio State-Michigan <laughs> game. I remember watching on a little teeny, you know, six-inch screen in a limo, the Ohio State-Notre Dame game when my sister got married. I remember that was that was a fun way to watch a game. I also remember watching a Penn State game at the bar at a reception after I had done the wedding, and it was one of those great Ohio State Penn State matchups where it went down to the the end, and there were probably thirty guys from the reception gathered around this little television at the bar by the end. I remember being a little kid and growing up in Columbus, Ohio. I remember being a little kid and going to Ohio Stadium. I think for one of the first times in my life. And I'm there at the shoe, 
and I look up and I see that there's stained glass windows at the horseshoe. And I remember my mom tells me now, I made a comment back then, like, is this a church? You know, it's funny. I was thinking of that exact same thing as we're talking about this and worshiping, worshiping fully being our theme for this week and how, um, how many folks that that is their weekend ritual in the fall to be a part of the Buckeye game, either there in person or on television, and they won't miss it. Right. Um, as we look at these change of worship patterns, and we lament that as pastors and people, and it used to be that you know regular worship meant you were there every week, and then it was every other week, and then monthly, and now post-pandemic, who knows what regular worship is going to mean. Um, but for some folks, that part certainly hasn't changed. The Buckeyes, every Saturday in the fall, no matter what. And I think the two of us yeah. emulate that as much as possible as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes me think that there, you know, the concept of, you know, so our weekly theme for the Advent Conspiracy is to worship fully. Uh, again, if you didn't tune into last week's conversation, uh, go back and listen to that. But Jonathan and I talked about the Advent Conspiracy being our initiative here, our sermon series throughout the month, and how we're, we're conspiring to really focus ourselves on those Christian disciplines that actually prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. And the first week is to worship fully. It's this invitation for us to be fully present in worship or to worship God fully. But it makes me think that um, we live in a culture where it seems as though when it comes to Sunday worship or Christian worship, religious worship, uh, culture is slipping further and further kind of away from that being a priority. But the concept of worship is everywhere. Like you're talking about, worshiping Buckeye football, being dedicated to it, giving your undivided attention to something, um, raising your voice to something. Now, that might be yelling at the referee or yelling at the screen, but, but there are lots of ways that we worship things. But our invitation is to worship God fully. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the conversation I think we're here to have today. Mm-hmm. So even beginning with that... How, how do you understand worship? How would you describe worship to, to somebody who, who maybe is not as familiar with what, what is that whole church thing about? Yeah, well, I, I think as well, one thing to say is that you had a great sermon this last weekend. And if you haven't yet listened to that, folks, I encourage you to do so. Lauren is slipping me a 10 as I say that uh, you should listen to his sermon. That's right. Um, but no, it really was a great sermon. And one of the things he did, he, he talks about a conversation he had with someone that had no idea what Christian worship looks like and what that means. And I think it caused all of us that were there to reflect on that. What, what would that conversation look like for us if someone asked us, you know, what are you talking about when you're talking about being in worship, going to, to worship? Um, because it's certainly a, a somewhat strange concept and the way we use that that word it can almost feel kind of culty you know from outside the 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 church circle to when you kind of pull back and look at it to say well i'm worshiping god and i'm joining a group of other people and we're getting together specifically to worship um people can can get kind of weirded out by that it Uh, it makes me think jonathan makes me think um our confirmation students, we had one student after the confirmation service who's grown up in church his whole life. He turned uh, to Mary Ellen and I and he said, that service felt really weird. 
Hmm. He said that that the, the act of confirmation, the rite of confirmation, the call and response, r- reading words, professing things, saying we reject certain things like the devil and all of his empty promises. He's like, that was so weird. And I think what he was getting at is, even though he's grown up in church most of his life, um, there is a part of gathering, like you're saying, in worship that is strange. Mm-hmm. It's really foreign. Um to give our adoration, our praise to something other than ourselves is yeah. is kind of foreign. Yeah. And I think part of, you know, one of the ways we can do, one of the things we can do is to kind of recontextualize what are we saying when we're saying we're gathering for worship um, and contextualize that by one of those main things we do in worship when we come to communion. Mm-hmm. That we come to this meal, this meal that is a communion with our God and thus with each other as we are the gathered body of Christ ready to be sent out into the world as the body of Christ to be the presence, the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. Um, you know, Our worship isn't simply about adoration and giving praise and thanks to God, which is certainly part of it because that helps us understand where we are in the grand cosmic order of things. Um, but it is this communion, it's this um, coming together with God to be filled with God, uh, to be filled with what we need in order to have the, the kind of sense of purpose and direction and fulfillment to live a, a, a life that feels like it's lived on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think otherwise, you know, for me, that, that's one of the things that, you know, if I get too disconnected from worship, that sense of, of purpose and, and communal um, understanding that, that we are a part of something larger than ourselves, that, that is serving this vision that, that God mm-hmm. has for the world, um, that's what helps me keep going each day and, and feel like... Um, you know, the things that I'm doing on a daily basis have value and, and meaning. And if I don't have that touchstone, that, that's when I start to, to feel a little more lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's well said. I, what are the things, what, what are some of the roadblocks you, you, people might experience, or maybe you even feel like you experienced that could, could distract us from prioritizing worship? You know, because our theme is to worship fully, and there's this, mm-hmm. there's this message behind that, which is sort of admitting we're all admitting that often we don't. Right. Often we don't worship fully. We don't give the attention or make it a priority. What do you? What are some of those things that you think just kind of get in the way of that? Supplant that. Yeah, I I thought that was probably the best part about your sermon on Sunday was that that point that. Um, so often we're not feeling like we really are fully worshiping, but that's part of the what it means to worship fully, to bring our full selves into the, mm. the place of worship. Um, and, you know, you kid me a lot about uh, my focus on the liturgy and the, some of the formality of that. And, you know, we have different approaches to that, certainly. But I think back and, and how much more pragmatic I've gotten about that over the years compared to when I was in seminary, where I felt part of the point was to get everything right. That mm. if we do the ritual right, um, R-I-G-H-T, not R-I-T-E. Yeah. Uh, so it's not about the rights, but but getting doing it in the correct way that uh, that that's going to make it better somehow, mm. um, that, that our worship is going to be more effective. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think yeah. the R-I, 
TE, the rites help us to engage in worship and to, to give us a framework uh, that's historic, mm-hmm. um, that, that's been something that's been tested and true for thousands of years. You know, those are good things to help us. But if, it, if, the, if getting it right and doing it properly is, is what we start to focus on, then we lose the heart of why we're there in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the rites of the church should should simply help to guide us and to direct us uh, towards a, um, a fruitful way of, of connecting and commuting with God. Um, but that idea that we got to get it all right, I think, is part of where we... I, yeah, I think for me, one of the things that gets in the way of me, of, for me being able to worship fully, to, to really experience the gift of what worship can be in my life, is that I've really come to understand that one of the countercultural realities of what worship is for us is that it's an opportunity, it's an invitation for us to, to go and, and be. And I am so oriented in my life with the doing. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't feel like doing worship, singing, praying, praising, if I make worship all about my doing, I often feel like, well, I don't feel like doing that. Or I get distracted with all of my doings that I'd rather spend time in. I need to mow my lawn. I need to spend time with my kids. I need to get something else done in the office. Um, but worship is this countercultural act of also coming into the gathering to just be fully present, to receive. And I think we live in a culture where people are much more comfortable doing than they are receiving. Yeah. But, but yet that's the real gift of worship is to come and receive the word, come and receive the meal, come and receive um, a greeting of peace from your neighbor who extends it to you. And, and I, I think that we're living in a culture right now where we're just so caught up in doing, 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 doing that to make space and carve out time to go sit in silence to go sit and hear music, to receive the offering that God would give us is just, we often think, I don't, I don't have time for that. We're coming up on one of the nights where that came into such stark relief for me several years ago on Christmas Eve. I really, you know, we do four services here, half for a long time. And the first two are kid-focused, family-focused, yeah. and, and often it's kind of bedlam in the sanctuary, particularly as a leader as you're trying to yeah. corral these kids, get them going in the right direction. And then we shift gears 9 o'clock, and there's a lot of stuff that's happening there. And the doing is, is first and foremost in your mind as you're the leader trying to keep everything moving. And then we get to that 11 o'clock service, and it's a little bit smaller. We've already done it all at 9 o'clock. It's the exact same service as 9 o'clock. Um, so if, any, if there are any wrinkles, we've ironed those out. <laughs> and so that presence, that mm-hmm. being in worship on Christmas Eve at 11 o'clock, that's always where I feel like Christmas has arrived at 11 o'clock yeah. because I can be in that service. And when we light those candles, I can simply soak in God's presence coming to us as the light of the world in that moment. And um, and so I kind of take that moment and always try to reflect on that as we're leading worship because, yeah, particularly for pastors, the doing of worship can be so um, all-consuming and you get lost in the in the yeah. midst of the doing. Well, and I think, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this Advent conspiracy and orienting our community around it is because this month in particular, the month of December leading up to Christmas, is filled with extra 
doing. I mean, so many people I've talked to in the last week or so, when you know, you hit Thanksgiving and beyond that, I have so much to do is what you hear people say. We have gifts to buy. We have parties to attend. We have extra responsibilities. We need to bake those Christmas cookies. And all these things can be wonderful and meaningful. But I think the the invitation to worship fully is to create intentional space in your life to be present so that you can worship fully and have a full experience during the season of who God is and who you are in response to that. And so I'm wondering if we could lift up maybe, I mean, this is right off the top of our, our heads here, but I'm wondering if we could lift up a couple of tips that might help people be more present. No. I would start with offering up um, to create create a rhythm to your day and to your life that can be centered, that, they, that they can be centering. You know, we have some Advent devotionals on our website, popluther.org slash Advent. And there are weekly um, devotional pages on there that you can create that space for you, maybe a friend or a significant other, maybe your family can sit down and go through those questions. Read the scripture. Sit in the silence after you read that scripture. I, I think having a ritual um, where we put it on our calendar, it, it might begin by feeling like it's one more to do. I need to add something else to my calendar. But I think in the culture and, and society we're living in, we need to actually schedule opportunities for us to be present and, um, and then to embrace it, to be faithful to the ritual. So think of a daily ritual or a daily devotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in our family, it's it's been a long-standing tradition at dinner time to light the. We have an Advent wreath, so to have an Advent wreath at home again mm-hmm. is a great thing too. We still got stuff here. People still need to get an Advent wreath. Um, we've got the materials here at church, but to have that in the center of your dinner table, and we have honestly, you know, when I was a kid. We were much better about that. Uh, my parents were better about making sure we set aside that time going through the book and, and reading a, a daily thing. Our family has not always been great about that. We'll catch up, you know, we'll miss four days in a row and then suddenly we're reading four days in our little book yeah. that we have. Um, but our kids recognize too that they love that ritual. It, it that it, Centering around the Advent reason becomes part of the joke about you know, how much our candles haven't burned down because we haven't done it every day. Um, but the you know the closer we can come to that daily rhythm um, it, at dinner time, first of all, even of sitting down together at dinner, yeah. um, is a that's a gift in itself um, to take that time to gather as a family and share your highs and lows and and some short devotion. Um, it's a it's a great rhythm to have in general in your life beyond yeah. Advent, and sometimes Advent can help you establish that more for for all of the year too. Yeah. I think another another encouragement is that we have to learn how to say no to things too. And that can often be a, a challenge um, for many people. But I think if we're going to prioritize ritual, if we're going to prioritize weekend worship or our midweek worship services on Wednesday night, um, we might have to say no to something else. And to be okay and to be comfortable doing that, knowing that that, that we're... In order, in order to say yes to something else, you need to say no to something else. And um, I think we often feel the pressure that we need to say yes to everything and try to fit it all in. And so um, 
you know, I don't want listeners to the podcast to say, oh, yeah, worship does matter. I should prioritize it more. So let me squeeze it into my already jam-packed schedule and then be burnt out even more on the other end of it. So I do think worship matters, that daily ritual, weekly worship. But then give yourself permission to say no to something else that maybe isn't as life-giving. Um, I struggle with that personally. I try to just fit it all in um, and jam it all in. Do you have worship experiences um, when you think of your own life and, and uh, moments in time or a worship service or worship experience that were particularly meaningful to you and, and, and why? Mm-hmm. What do you think made it, what helped you connect in those moments? I think so. It, there, it's a multiplicity of things that, that end up doing that for you. Sometimes it's the, the family connection. Um, because there's some significant life event. So, you know, funerals, weddings, baptisms, those are moments in time and worship that, that certainly stand out to me. And then sometimes it's, it's really connected to our mission as a congregation. And, you know, all three of my congregations, I can think about times in worship where um, it just all fit together. Mm-hmm. And because we were doing something... Um, special something that that was really connected to this is why we exist together as the body of christ in this community um that we're being sent out in god's mission into the world and and we're doing that through our our worship um those become incredibly powerful experiences when you feel like this is about our being sent that we're we're being filled up in order to be sent and we can know exactly what we're being sent into and that it's a a good thing that's going to bless this world um, and that, that just is always an incredible feeling. Yeah. I think for me, the, the, the initial thing that comes to mind is has to do with the community and the people that I've been shoulder to shoulder with in worship. And, and again, it's, it's one of those other countercultural things that, you know, we can, we can do so many of our activities in life isolated and alone. We can... We can stream Netflix on our phones if we want to. We can, we can work from home alone if we need to. We, we can do so many of those things, but there's something really beautiful about gathering in a sanctuary or at a camp or around a table or a baptismal font, shoulder to shoulder with other people and joining voices together, um, reciting liturgy that is ancient and and true, uh, singing songs, hearing the word together. And I often think of those most special moments of being with people that I, I loved and I knew supported me as well. And, and just the communal aspect of that. And, and that's what I think special about our midweek services. It, there's all, ever since I was a little kid going to church in the congregation I grew up in, I loved the midweek Advent services. The sanctuary was a little darker because it was dark outside. There's more, the candlelight just kind of shines a little bit brighter. And there's just a different feeling to the sanctuary. And um, so I'm looking forward to our midweek service on Wednesday. Good. Yeah, yeah. I am too. It's always, always a gift. And I hope we see lots of other folks there this week and the rest of the weeks as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we're about to wrap up our worship fully conversation. Uh, just some thoughts from, from the two of us about what worship means. And, and certainly our encouragement is that you and, and your significant others would, would create intentional space to worship fully and to be fully present this season. 
Um, this is a busy month. It, there, there are so many things that are fun and stressful all mixed together. Um, but, but really be an active participant in this season um, to connect with God, to listen to God's voice, to hear God's promises that Christ is coming, um, that Christ is breaking into our lives every day, and that Christ promises to come again so that when Christmas morning rolls around, we, we feel like we're we're showing up fully present um, to the beauty and the mystery um, and the hope of this this season. And so that's that's our hope for you. Um, if you have thoughts and ideas about what worship means to you, we would love to hear them. Send us a message on Facebook. Send us an email. Um, get in touch with us. Thanks for tuning in. Have a blessed week. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.